Hello and welcome to the 147th episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spong.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start in making games, what their influences are and who inspires them. Split into two halves, the show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half we discuss the game they hit promote, which in this case is ResRock by Soaphog. Immense. Who are you, and what do you do? Um, hi, I'm a game designer and a project manager at Soaphog, and uh, I basically uh, manage the development of ResRock. Uh, do the game design stuff, uh, do the documentation, and uh, follow uh, follow the deadlines, follow the completion of tasks, basically. Well, that's that's quite a quite a task. I mean, interesting. I'm just going to ask you, where does Soaphog come from? That's quite a a mixture of two words. There is it actually a pig made out of soap? Um, well, uh, our logo. Yeah. Is basically a head of a pig yeah. with uh, so bubbles coming yeah. from its head. Um, it's a, a bit of funny story uh, how the name came to be. Uh, we wanted to form a studio and uh, needed a name for a studio, and we did a short brainstorm, uh, generated uh, two categories, two columns of words everyone on the team found cool or interesting and uh, at the end just simply took a word from one column word from another column and uh, combined and got Sobha yeah fantastic best way to make a a name for a developer (laughs) is just take take an animal object then an animal squish them together job done well, it took us 40 minutes, so it was efficient. <laughs> it was definitely efficient. So, how did you make your start making video games? Um, I was, uh, I would say, a hobbyist uh, game developer, but it was more like playing with uh, engines, creating maps for Counter-Strike and modding stuff from the, in the beginning when uh, I had no idea about coding. Uh, later on, I started to learn uh, coding, and uh, one thing came to another. I got a degree in IT and started to work as a uh, system analyst, later business analyst, and in that job found uh, people who are as well interested in game development and in games in general. And uh, after a while, um, we started to started to work on our own projects and uh, do uh, little things on the side, like uh, simple small educational games for uh, local uh, customers and such. And uh, after a while, uh, we decided to split from our. Uh, I guess parent company, uh, and uh, went full-time game development. I hear this a lot on guests. They come on, they say, oh, yes, I had a regular day job. I was a software engineer or I was a systems analyst, as you described. Is that, is that correct, systems analyst? I believe you, you said you were, you went into that realm, basically. Of- um, 
Yeah, System Sentinel is a person who gathers requirements, creates the documentation, so something like game design, but for serious software. Indeed, yes. And the very stuff that keeps, you know, everything industry moving, I guess. Um, but, you know, I do hear a lot of uh, you and, and other developers say, you know, this is great, I guess, you know, this is important, this is useful, but it's not what I want to do. <laughs> it's like I, I want to entertain I want to, maybe I'm putting words into your mouth, but let's just share, let's just explore this a little bit. Is that what you think drove you? What drove you to move from that very, you know, important, prestigious field into game development? Is it, do you think it's the desire to entertain others? Um, I, I, I'm probably, probably more selfish than that. Okay. I wanted to make games that I found interesting and enjoyable myself okay. and I think my uh, comrades uh, followed the same idea, right. they wanted to make games that they loved that they wanted to wow. play wanted to see uh, more than I guess entertaining others that much so. I understand now, so again that's the other thing I hear too is that I want to make games that I want to play not what people have put before me and I've had, I mean it's quite common that you the, the people you get a game you like it to a point and go you know but I could do this better and either you modify the game you're playing or you make a new one um, and that's 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 also excellent because the the um, result of that is you're you have like-minded people who also want to play the same sorts of games is that right um, yeah certainly and then there's games that they were making years ago and now there's none for example oh, and you're thinking well i would love to play a game like that right now uh well maybe brought a bit up to date so not not like bringing back uh 20 years 20 year old game like it was 20, 20 years ago to now because it probably won't work but bringing the core idea of that old maybe classic game, and uh, releasing something uh, with a new and exciting twist. Yep. Yeah, I've seen that a lot. I think Kickstarter's got a lot to thank us for on that, bringing back some old uh, sort of types of games. I mean, uh, a good example of that, I know we're not talking about a ResRog, but if, I'm, if you indulge me for a second, the whole, you know, the whole um, space flight game suddenly making a reappearance. Yeah, and, it's um, super popular now. It is. Like, well, that, where'd that come from? Um, but uh, we're not here to talk about it. So what kind of games did you make then? Could you give us some examples? Except for Resurrect. Yes, indeed. What did you make before? Um, to tell you the truth, we are not super experienced team. Okay. Uh, Resurrect is our first game on Steam. Oh, right. Well, well done. So yeah, yeah. it's our first, I guess, big game. Um we had uh, several games made previously, uh, so I've got an Android game, not very popular Android game on Google Play. It's a uh, roguelike as well. Uh, some of our guys from the team had made a uh, browser MRPG years ago. Okay. Um, some of our later games, some of our more recent games are educational games uh, for... Uh, basically outsourced projects mm. uh, one of them mm, got 
reasonably popular on Google Play. It was a game about traditional uh, Latvian pottery, where you could uh, go through a full process from digging out the clay uh, until uh, burning the pots and putting putting them on, uh, well, basically on table. And it was uh, Unity 3D game uh, on mobile and uh, a game for PC with uh, soft kinetic, so basically a Kinect uh, contactless uh, controls oh, where okay. players were making parts with their hands. Wow! So that's that's a, have, yeah, I mean that's that's quite a that's quite a topic to make a game about. You know, normally it's Space Marine kills aliens, but no, pottery. <laughs> yeah, it, it got popular because it had only one similar game in whole Google Play. Right. So people simply came to try it out. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Okay. Um, so, I mean, we're going to go deep into ResRog, so we'll we'll move on to my, my next question then, because this oh. one's quite difficult to answer. Don't worry if you stumble or go... Oh, I can't answer this uh, because it is quite what we call uh, an open-ended question. It has no limits to how you answer it. So here we go. I'm building it up, but this is the one. Uh, and it's always the most difficult one to ask, but I'm going to do it anyway. What are your biggest influences as a creator? In Reservoir. Just generally. I mean, you create things. What What do you think is the biggest influence that you found you found orbiting or drawn to more than anything else um well uh as a game developer game designer i always uh, try to be on top of all the newest indie games okay at least and um all the popular ones and all the games that top the charts usually have has something uh, very interesting in them uh, you just uh, sit and play them and after you have played you you start to think yeah I would like to make something similar but with this twist and that makes your uh, mind wander you just want to create something so um, I would say uh, all the good games is a great inspiration. You have to keep yourself from like abandoning your current project and just starting something new in a spur of a moment. Okay, so uh, it's definitely uh, the the drive to create is an influence in itself. Of course, it is, um, but also other titles or your peers or making. People make games of similar size and complexity. You're drawn to those and you're inspired by those. Is that right to say that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the reasons we went for a roguelike or roguelite, yeah. uh, more precisely in ResRock, is because uh, many of our team members are fascinated by this genre, mm -hmm. uh, by games, uh, similar games, uh, we are actually really liking them and playing in our spare time. It's not like we are just uh, analyzing them for the sake of dissecting game design choices made in their games. They're, um, they're an odd concept, aren't they? The idea that you play the game, 
you will die, because that's what happens. You will fail, because that's what happens. But then after death, it's not permanent. There's an aspect, there's a permanence, there's a, a legacy of what you've done, what that person, the previous person done, which you can then use to carry on with. Uh, and uh, that's what, as I understand, what Rogue was always about. Because uh, Rogue, the original Rogue, have you ever actually played that, by the way? Um, I actually haven't played Rogue. Right. I've played NetHack. Okay. That's closest to the uh, roots I have played. Yes. Uh, I think NetHack has the uh, the uh, at sign <laughs> as the character. I can't remember. Yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. Uh, it is. It is. All ASCII. All ASCII art. Um, there's no. There's no actual graphics at all. Uh, uh, people have actually superimposed graphics onto it. But yes, ultimately, it's just single characters, and we need just, just a bunch of numbers, and you might win or you might not. Yeah. Yeah. It's. Uh, it, yes. I mean, it, there's definitely evidence that you've been hugely impressed and influenced by the idea of roguelike and you've taken it to a different place to a place i wasn't expecting but we'll talk about that in detail in the second half of the show we don't want to tease the, too much to the audience but uh yeah it's definitely shows in resrog that you've definitely been hugely influenced by your peers and other games that are, that are out there so my next question to you um is again one that's hard to answer because many people don't like to answer it because they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. That being, what developer do you most in the industry and why? Um, sorry, uh, the first part was the question. What uh, video game developer do you most admire in the, and and why do you admire them? Um, I don't think there is a single developer that. Uh, I uh, specifically admire, but um, I admire uh, the developers uh, who bring a new idea, a new set of game mechanics, right. create, create a game from that, and uh, as a result, well, not, not as a result, but uh, their game becomes successful. So they create something new, they don't create another Roguelike, they don't create another, I don't know, uh, MOBAs, another car, car, uh, classical card game. Uh, they create something totally new. Uh, they mesh some things I haven't uh, thought about uh, together, and they create a game, great game, compelling game, which people are playing and liking very much. This is something I really admire uh, in people who can think of something original and uh, go with it uh, till the end, till the release. So um, this is probably, yeah. Okay, um, th I think that's um, yeah, perfectly valid sort of response to say that you basically admire pioneers, people who are, are willing to do go against the grain, people who actually say, you know what, this is fun, this is different, I'm going to go for it, and I'm going to pursue it, despite the fact everyone around them saying, no, this is a very bad idea. Like, nope, I'm going to carry on, and then they end up making a success out of it. Um, yeah, exactly. So is a great example of that, I think. The original Dota, people said, no one wants to play this. It's a terrible idea. But the whole point, yeah. the whole point yeah. of uh, 
uh, an RTS, which is what it's based off of, is to have vast armies, not just you controlling one hero and you not being able to control anything else. That's dumb. Oh wait. <laughs> now we have a billion pound, a billion dollar industry um, existing based on one mod for one very very old RTS, which no one, well, people still play Warcraft Three apparently, but yeah. Um, but that's that is yeah, and I think that that says a lot. So yeah. That's a brilliant answer. I'm inspired or admire those who pioneer, who go off and take risks and sometimes fail, and that's okay. Uh, But then when they succeed, they succeed ridiculously well. Okay, well, the last half of the the last question of the first half now um, is um, is is one of my favourite questions that I answer. It's very easy to one answer and. uh, it gives me a hint about what makes you tick, what makes you, what gives, what really drives you as a developer and as a person a little bit as well. What are you playing right now? Um, right now, um, I have uh, my Steam favorites list okay. in front of me, right? And uh, I have to. Um, uh, well, the game I wanted to play for a long time but uh, ha- haven't yet finished and I'm working to finish is uh, well, Witcher, Witcher 3 The Witcher 3 yeah that's, yeah, that's on my pile of shame oh, although uh, a fellow developer of yours many years ago two or three years ago now, he said to me Chris, it's not your pile of shame, it's your investment in the video game industry <laughs> it's, like, it, it's, it's a lovely way to yeah. put it um, yeah, I, I'm embarrassed to admit I haven't even started that yet I'm scared of it because I know I'll lose myself in it, and I've got too much exactly. to, too much to play as it is. Have you started it? Well, I'm 135 hours in. I guess a big yes. Then you've started it. Yeah, I've started it. So one of my other things, again, uh, take a drink, everyone. But uh, everyone knows this story about me. I played Skyrim three. You know, Skyrim, the, 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 and uh, yeah. there's relevance to this. Bear with me because they're both RPGs. They're both open-ended RPGs. So there's. And uh, most people, they say, oh, I spent 100 or so hours on Skyrim, right? Yeah, not me. 30. 3-0. I went, I'm going to do the main quest. And that's all I did. I'm serious. <laughs> I, immense, I have that focus. I have that brain. Even I see, like, oh, there's a cave over there. It does it have anything to do with the main quest? No. Then I'm going. Just keep going. Keep going, and I just like like a laser beam went right through the game. And went, Great, I've saved the world. I've rid the dragons of the world. And I'm awesome. And then I went to the nearest town and I said, "I've made, you know, I'm I'm a hero. I've rescued the town, rescued the world. It's great. Could you go and kill some bandits down the road?" No, I'm not going. And I just switched <laughs> the game off. I was like, "Nope, nope, I'm done." Uh, so I'm fearful. For me, for Witcher Three, is I'll do exactly the same thing. I'll go, oh, oh, no, I'll just do the main quest. <laughs> and I'll do it in, like, 20 hours. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> so, it's, it's yeah, it's very sad. But all that content uh-huh. lost on me, whereas yourself, 135 hours, fair play to you. What keeps you going? What, why do you like it so much? Um, well, uh, I usually like to play my games up to full completion. Okay. So if I'm playing an open-world RPG, whether it's a Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Witcher, I usually try to complete them 100%. So 
if there is content to complete, uh, I try to complete it, including uh, Steam achievements as well. So I'm almost done with achievements. I have like eight left and uh, a, b- a bit of a last DLC left. So when I'm 100% complete, I will uninstall the game and will never look back to it, probably. Wow. Because I've only, only finished the first one. Did I finish it? I can't remember. I liked the first one a lot. A lot. It was great. The combat was difficult. That's what I liked about it. Because you actually had to have skill with the combat in the first one. Don't go back to it now. It hasn't aged well. Um, but, um, yeah, awesome game. And the second one, I, I never even started. So, I mean, I'm in trouble. So, <laughs> but yeah, not too many, yeah. Too many games. It's real, I'm in trouble. trouble yeah, but uh, I'm looking forward to actually delving into second and third. I should do that. I have the PCs to do it. I can do it. It's fine. It's not. That's not the problem. It's just the time, my friend. Yeah, yeah. Length of future games is scary. Yeah, but speaking of achievements, Resrog's got some awesome achievements. I love Thank them. Thank you. They're fantastic. They're just just right. They they pick on little things and they're just they're very granular. There's lots of them and they're wonderful. Well done with that. Uh, just wanted, sorry, I just want to tell you that. I, I don't think people say that to developers enough. Like, well done in your achievements. Sounds a bit, <laughs> sounds a bit strange. Thank you. Well done in your achievements, but. You know, you. it's just, they're funny. Because the game is, got satire, it's funny. I love that. It's very dry humour in it. But it's funny. Um, so, um, anything else? You playing anything else? Yeah, uh, the second game I play is probably more um, relevant and more uh, suits the image of indie uh, roguelike developer. It's uh, Tales of Magile. I can't spell that name correctly, right. uh, uh, but it's Tales of Magile, I guess. It's a uh, roguelike. It's one of those uh, hardcore roguelikes. Uh, Let's look this up. Yeah, uh, it, it has quite basic graphics, but uh, quite a lot of gameplay, quite a lot of things to do in the game. It's, it has been in development for quite a while, right. and the uh, author really likes this game. Uh, you can just tell by playing it. It's it has uh, so much uh, content. It it has so much uh, play value. Basically, one of the things uh, roguelikes should have is the uh, ability to play the game again and again and again after dying and uh, still having fun fun in the process. Okay. And um, I'm playing it uh, regularly uh, for a bit. Uh, I play, I die, I just leave the game, I return in a day or two, I play another game. And uh, yeah, hmm. so it's, it's, it's not really uh, inspiration for Resrug, but it's really cool roguelike. I'm sure it is. I think Resdog is his own beast. No offense, but that's why I describe. I can't. I try to compare it to other stuff, and I just fall over. It just doesn't work. Um, it's, it's its own thing. There you go. That's what I meant to say. It's its own thing, and it should be. Games, games should be their own thing. Um, okay. Anything else before we move on to the second half? Um, I guess not. Oh, okay, uh. that's great. That's great. Um, you know, because I, I mean, one of the questions I've got for you, not about Resdog, but I just. The, the, the presentation of it implies 
a board game background. Do you play many board games? Um, I play board games. Uh, some of our team members play board games yeah. more than me. Um, some of us play Dungeons & Dragons yeah. Yeah. regularly. Yeah. So uh, we have played uh, Descent for a while. Oh, have you played the second edition? Yeah, we've played second edition. With the app? Without an app. Oh, you should do it with the app. It's much better. Combat's way better. Highly recommend it. It's way better. It's much more... Really? Yeah, yeah. Highly recommend it. It's good. Descent's a good game. I'm actually playing Gloomhaven, Gloomhaven at the moment. Do you know about Gloomhaven? Um, sorry, I don't. I'm not the most proficient Descent player. Or One of our teammates is... Right. I'm more of a D&D guy. Yeah, I'm, me too. I play D&D as well. I'm running a game at the moment every week. But um, this Gloomhaven isn't about Descent. It's another game. Um, it's a new game. Well, relatively new. About, well, yeah, it's about a year old. So, yeah, it's relatively new. And uh, it's a dungeon crawler, but it's, uh, it's a very different game. It's a brand new experience where you have four players. There's no overlord. That You're just the four players competing against the game. And there's a, oh, yeah. I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. A series of scenarios. Very difficult. Very, very, very difficult. In fact, I've had six games now. We've only actually been successful in two of them. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's pretty bad. It's actually a lot of roguelike elements to it. Because you die, you keep you you keep experience what you earned in the dungeon and all the coins, but everything else is gone. You don't get any, you know, it's quite... And you have to start, start all over again. So the similarities between it and, and Resrog, which is why I mention it. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, look it up. Just it's one word, Gloomhaven. It's very, very popular. It raised almost four million dollars on Kickstarter. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lot of money. Uh, but, uh, yeah, four million. Wow. Yeah, and that's the second print of it. There was a first print that raised a similar amount of money. Shocking. Um, but yes. Anyway, enough of um, Gloomhaven. Let's move on to the second half where we delve deep. Into Resrock. A question again regular listeners will know what i'm about to say this is what i call the zeroth question it's basically you giving us the pitch for red rock what is it what is res rock oh it's been a while i've, I've pitched res rock um res rock is a dungeon crawler rpg with roguelike roguelite elements where uh, you control a party uh usually uh, one member at a time 
uh, a party of adventurers who uh, delve procedurally generated dungeons uh, with a goal of reaching end of the uh, dungeons and defeating the last boss. And the game is stylized to look like a board game and uh, to look like cardboard cutouts and uh, plastic figurines and stuff. Yes. It, it is a large pantheon of characters from all sorts of different types. And you play just one of them and you can just delve into various dungeons throughout this entire realm. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And you do this over and over again until you, you create a character that's ridiculously powerful uh, but can get... Uh, I've, yeah, well, we're going to talk about that now, actually. Because um, I found the structure of this game a little bit beguiling at first and I'm quite adept at uh, rogue, roguelike games. I'm just like, like what's going on I figured it out eventually immense. don't get me wrong but I just want to talk this through with you Resrog right. relies on rogue structure of players going through the same dungeon not always but typically uh, multiple times with different characters to have them grow in power yeah. how did this structure come about how did you what made you decide I know let's have a whole raft of character types or archetypes of characters and just let people pick one and then play with one of those. How did this develop? Um, we wanted to uh, let player choose what type of character he wants to play. Um, ultimately, uh, you can, if you want to, play any uh, of our characters uh, with any skill set. It's yeah. possible. Uh, in some cases, you will handicap yourself because some of the characters will be a bit worse with some skills as in others. But uh, uh, we thought that it is important to give players choice, uh, preference, uh, because people sometimes there's there's some players who just want to play a paladin. That's it. They want to play a paladin, or they want to play a wizard. Yeah. They don't really care uh, if you have a single character. They want a paladin or, or, or warrior. Where's my warrior? So um, we gave players choice. Uh, in the early, early development of the game, we had only one player character. Right. And uh, it's a bit of a funny thing. That character is still in the game. And uh, he is now a bartender in the tower. He is. Yeah, so he was the first playable character uh, before all the seven characters that we can play right now. Right. And um, we thought that it wasn't uh, really enough. It uh, wasn't moving player, player imagination enough. Right. Uh, because a uh, single character uh, delving into the dungeon is quite scary. And um, what, if we, what if he had a party that would uh, help him, oh, mm -hmm. help him in a, um, air quotes, yeah. uh, because they are uh, waiting for your selected character uh, patiently in tavern until he returns or he is captured. In that case, you can send someone to help him. That's right. I think I'm having a great time playing about four of them. <laughs> you may <laughs> think that's crazy. Like, why would you do that? Is it well, I like 
sometimes I like playing. I thought, it depends what mood I'm in. Well, sometimes I just want to punch things in the face over and over again, so I'll play the warrior, yeah? And then sometimes I just want to nuke everything from a distance. So that's like maybe the sorcerer or the wizard or one of them. Uh, the summon is pretty fun as well. Um, bring, sending in minions and you just sort of standing there. Uh, and of course paladins because, you know, paladins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just leave it at that. I, I personally don't like playing paladins actually um, uh, in, uh, in uh, my uh, RPGs. I don't, I don't like I am playing one in a game called Thirteenth Age. Not sure if you heard of Thirteenth Age, but um, no, I haven't. It's a it's an RPG, and it's a it's a satire RPG. So he takes lawful good to the extreme. So he goes around arresting people for doing terrible things. Um, in fact, his first opening line when he sees a monster is, "Do you have a permit for that?" Uh, <laughs> um, but um, no, it's it's just going back to Resrob. Just want to focus on that. Is, is that just to let everyone understand this, that you have one character, you only control one, but you have a party. So yeah. the party is sitting in the pub waiting for you to come back. If you don't come back, they'll have to go out and get you, you see. So that's why, exactly. it's, it's why it's beneficial to have other characters of similar power to to go and do that. Otherwise, they, you, you know, you'll never get rescued. So, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, uh. and that's what I end up doing. I have a, a spread of my team, you know, and um, I haven't actually tried the rogue yet because I never, I never like playing rogues. No offence to listeners who like playing rogues. Oh, rogues, like, one of my favourites. Yeah, sorry, my friend. That's just, that's just, <laughs> no, 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 can't, can't sneak. My bits are sneaking. Um, so I'm going to talk about that. The second question. So uh, I want to talk about the character build-up because I've already mentioned it, but how does it really work? So gaining overall power and items for each character is the, the very core of Resrog, I believe, anyway. Of course, there's exploration and conquest and what have you, but I believe it's the acquisition of stuff is really at the core of Resrog. Um, how have you found developing the skill tree for each class? Because there are stats. There is the standard five stats that you've got, strength, agility, etc., etc., um, and that's there, but I want to talk to talk, talk me through because it is quite de- in depth, isn't it? What you've made here. Um, there isn't actually a skill tree for uh, characters, right? Um, Not a traditional sense. Maybe I used the wrong term, but just talk us through how characters develop. That's what we wanted to ask about. Um, basically, uh, there are several ways you can develop a character. Firstly, uh, by level cap characters. They gain uh, five stat points per level, right. plus uh, two or three stat points that are predetermined by the game. Right. So, for example, uh, a paladin or a warrior will get an additional endurance every level, while uh, a wizard or a summoner will get additional intellect. And... Uh, uh, some of the additional character customization, of course, comes from the gear. So you can choose what stats to build. Um, plus, uh, a very uh, important character customization uh, item is an equipable gem, as we call it. It doesn't have a really nice and good sounding name, but basically an item that gives a little uh, ability to the character where he's wearing it. So, uh, for example, 
there is there are gems that uh, give an additional movement point while you're in combat which gives you a great uh, advantage if you are a melee character and maybe not so much if you are a ranged character because you are far away anyway. Uh, plus, you equip your characters with skills. Mm, we have uh, around 60 skills in the game and um, each skill can be assigned to one character at a time. So if you are putting that nice and maybe overpowered skill in a, one character, you can use it uh, in another at the same time. So uh, this might be uh, considered like a little skill tree, I'm not sure. Um, and plus, you can level up each of these skills. And plus, uh, you have uh, legacy stats, which you gain by uh, forging legacy gems found in dungeons. These are the stats that transition uh, between playthroughs. If you wipe, wipe your party, the legacy stats will be with you, and you will be able to gain a boost uh, when starting a new playthrough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I do love those, actually. They're very, very hard to come by, as rightly so, but they are quite hard to come by when you get those gems. When you do, it's quite, quite a special thing. Um, and yeah there's there's depth here to the character development as you say items stats and special skills that you pick up in the dungeon themselves they're the three things that i've found that, that are available uh, and they they do get phenomenally powerful very quickly as you go through each dungeon speaking of going through dungeons my next question concerns movement and combat because we haven't delved into that yet i think we need to talk to that to the audience and explain how this works. It is very strictly turn-based, isn't it? Um, the game becomes turn-based uh, when you enter the combat. Mm -hmm. While you're not in the combat, the game is still turn-based, but you don't feel it like that. You're not restricted. Uh, you move freely uh, as many tiles as you want uh, until you're out of combat. Once you enter the combat, you have uh, a specific movement range, yeah. uh, usually between two and uh, three uh, tiles without any uh, modifiers. So um, you have to choose carefully how to maneuver your character, right. uh, where to step, and uh, what to do during the combat. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's what I wanted to delve into is the combat system in the Timing, positioning are two very important things uh, because you, depending on what you can, you can flank enemies, I've noticed. You can actually sort of um, confuse them and you can actually um, use your, your special abilities, every character has, has a cooldown, doesn't it? Maybe one or two turns, maybe three turns, depends on how powerful the, the item is or the, the actual ability is. And I can see why you've done that. And it's very, I mean, the way you've done the imagery or the the character, the the presentation of the game, is, it makes it very simple to see, you know, oh yeah, this one's almost about to re replenish in my next turn. So if I'm careful, I can dodge out the way, then land this really powerful blow on this thing and kill it. Um, but there's lots of, it's, it is quite involved, actually, the combat, more than the, you would actually give it credit for if you watch the game being played. It's, there's a lot more to it than meets the eye. 
um, yeah, you can play game in two ways. You can go about uh, just clicking on everything, clicking away, uh, attacking uh, non-stop. This usually results in you dying. Uh, or if you are more successful and have better gear, you can, if you are lucky, you can go through a level like that, um, drinking potions non-stop. Um, if you are more strategic, uh, you can uh, defeat enemies without taking damage. If you are lucky and you are skilled and properly geared, there's a chance you can complete a dungeon without taking a damage. Yep. That's a possibility. Um, so, from this aspect of the game, sometimes comes a bit of a frustration for uh, newcomers who die too uh, easily and uh, think that games game is unfair, which I, I will admit sometimes there is a small chance game will be unfair to you. But in general, if you plan your uh, movement, plan your resources uh, and anticipate potential dangers, you should be good and be able to progress through the game steadily. Every encounter I've found is that I always look about what I'm fighting, where they are, and what am I supposed to be, where am I supposed to be going in the room. Because you don't have to kill everything. <laughs> usually don't have to kill uh, there are certain dungeon objectives that yeah. actually state wipe everyone in the dungeon to yes. complete it yeah but it's not always the case no correct so my last question then i know sad face all good things must come to an end um but um i've noticed there's a lot of environmental hazards and traps how have you developed these, and how have they been brought into ResRog? Um, environmental hazards um, are initially was a decorative element, so we had the smoke coming from the floor, mm -hmm. the so-called drain floors, yes. or just looks, and uh, in uh, at some point uh, we thought hey, this, this team looks uh, quite dangerous. Mm. It should probably do some damage to players when they step yeah. on, on those tiles. Mm -hmm. And um, we added that, and that actually gave some depth to the game, to the, right. game, to the movement. Um, these things quite often kill new players mm -hmm. who just think, oh, what happens when I step on the... Uh, right green acid smoke stuff coming from the ground oh you die yeah um, um, not me point out uh, the fact what I found great deal in, in entertainment was drawing enemies onto them <laughs> yeah <laughs> enemies are not very smart and they're, they're not very right. smart they're not very, well the early ones aren't the later ones oh god but the early ones aren't very smart and you just, they just go straight for it and they just sit there sitting on it and I'd hit them while they're dying on it it's quite funny <laughs> just make just make sure uh, you you do a last hit like in a MOBA game, uh, or you won't have uh, won't get an experience for a kill. I know, yeah, that is quite annoying. But at least I, I killed them. But 
because <laughs> sometimes they're just an annoyance. Especially when there's one dungeon earlier on, it's not much of a spoiler, everyone, where you have to kill crystals. And as you hit the crystal, more monsters start generating as you hit this crystal. It's quite fun. Um, well, at least that's the dungeon I've encountered. I think they've. Yeah, yeah. that's a dungeon objective that kills new players as well. Right. So you just come to the crystal and just whack it till it's done. And now they have five or six monsters in the room. No, no, you don't do that. You hit it once, kill a monster, hit it again, then you kill them. Uh, yeah, that's what that's you're supposed to do. Smart players do. Yeah, <laughs> you hit it once, and then you kill a monster, hit it again, kill a monster. And there's one, there's an eyeball that summons other eyeballs. That's quite entertaining. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyway. So, no, uh, that's, that's lovely to see that you saw this computer graphic that you created. You said, oh, it looks interesting. Let's make this, let's give a bit of animation to the, to the environment. Then thought, actually, hang on, that looks dangerous. Let's make it dangerous. So, yeah, very, very, it's, it's a wonderful way of uh, how things to develop. You know, it, it, it was meant to be benign. But it turned out to be not benign at all. So, ResRog is out on Windows PC. Any other platforms? Um, it's out on Mac OS, right? On Linux, aka Steam OS. Okay. And it's out on GOG. Excellent. So it's on Steam and good old games. Good stuff. Yeah. And. Uh, uh, on all the same platforms on GOG as well. Excellent. And that's all uh, DRM-free, isn't it? Because that's what GOG yeah, require. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's really good to hear. Because it's been built using Unity, of course. Yeah. How have you found Unity as a platform? You enjoyed using it? Um, yeah, it's a really great tool, uh, for, especially for prototyping and pre-production of games. You can test your idea really quickly. Um, it's deceptively simple at times. When you build a game, you think, oh, it's running great. It's almost ready to be shipped. And then you find out you were doing everything in a wrong way, in an amateurish way. Right. And there's like proper, more complicated way you just missed. And you should have done it like that. Right. And we many, many uh, encounters like that while making ResRog. Right. Because it was, well, our most complicated game mm -hmm. to date. And um, we stepped on many, many uh, rakes. I'm not sure you use, you use this idiom in uh, English when you step on all the rakes. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's basically, it's a bit like that classic scene from Simpsons. Maybe you don't yeah. know. You know the, oh, you know the one? Yeah, yeah he's, he gets up and he keeps on being hit by the rake as he gets up. It's quite funny. Yeah. Um, so. yeah. Sideshow Bob, that was him. Sideshow Bob, keep on being hit by the rake. So, yes, that's that's a great analogy for, um, because people think that, uh, well, a lot of people I know just use um, Unity. They, they try to do it without C Sharp. It's, it's futile. You need to have both. Uh, you need to be quite conversant in C Sharp, which not, it's complicated C++. Um, but it you really, really shouldn't try to uh, write a Unity game without using C Sharp. Yeah, because there's references and they tend to break. And then everything goes to... Yeah, it creates a cascade effect. It's quite incredible to see it happening. Like, wow, that, that started that. 
they kick that off and they kick that off and off it goes and without some code to bring it all together to make the logic work it all falls over yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, Iman, it's been fantastic having you on. Thank you very much for sharing your thoughts and feelings and understandings and uh, your inspirations and t- telling us all about how ResRog came to be. I hope you enjoyed yourself. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed myself very much. Excellent. And I wish you the very best of luck with ResRog and your future endeavours, whatever that, whatever they may be. And uh, if you have any new games coming out, do you're welcome to come back on to chat about those. Great, thank you. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review, and you can also don't forget listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com, and you can stream the show from there. You just look up the Sausage Factory, and you can find us. That'd be great. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris O'Regan, no apostrophes. And uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show, or actually you're a developer, you listen to the show and want your game featured on it, please do email me at chris at spong.com. Also, don't forget to check out the Computer Game Show, which is the stablemate podcast, shall we say, of spong.com. Bye!